podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey everyone, before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or, if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, question and answers with BlueWire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your new show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And you know what the best part is? You can get all of this for only $15 a month. That's the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the setup. So, whether you're starting from scratch or you have an existing show that you just want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Now listen, acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. Go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. Hey guys, this is Emil Heskey, and you're listening to the guys of Coppin Practice. of Cop and Fracast, powered by Sustain Media Group. I am your host, Chris, and this week I am joined by Ellis, Mush, Glam, and Joe. Uh, before we get into the pod, I just want to um, remind everyone that this week's episode of Cop and Fracast proudly brought to you in association with our partners over at Fanslide. What on earth is Fanslide, you might be asking? Well, Fanslide is the first live and in-play fantasy football game. Play against your friends, us here at Coffee and Fracas, and the rest of the Touchline Fracas network for free, and being with the chance of winning cash prizes on select games. Um, I had a really good one this weekend for the um, Arsenal-Chelsea game. I had Jacker in my double play slot as soon as he scored, so I was incredibly happy at that. Uh, the rest of the way, not so good. Um, yeah, I had someone when they gave away, gave away a free kick that led to a goal as well, so that was... Fantastic. Um, so you never know what you're going to get with Fans Live, but you know it's always going to be a fantastic experience. Um, we'll be playing tomorrow or today when you listen to this uh, as Liverpool take on Newcastle. So join on the fun. Search Fans Live in the App Store today and download and come play on the fun. Fans Live, don't just watch the game, play the game. So without further ado, let's kick into this week's episode of Copper and Fracker. Um, we played West Brom on Sunday. What Sunday, wasn't it? All the yeah. days seem to seem to me. Yeah, seem yeah, to, yeah. to me at the moment. Um, and we, unfortunately, drew 1-1. Um, 
Mush, I'll come to you first on this. First half performance wasn't actually that bad, was it? All things said and done. Uh, they did everything they need to do, worked hard to get the goal, but you could see the downfall of the second half coming uh, with the, you know, the final ball wasn't, wasn't as good as it should be and we were just retaining possession far too much. Yeah, um, I think you're spot on with how the first half panned out. Ultimately, it, it looked like a game where Liverpool were, were cruising, to be honest, and I, and I don't mean that in a negative way either. It was We were doing all the things right that we needed to do and it was a very professional performance. And in our Patreon um, post-match kind of review, I, I talked about this, the, the worst thing a big team can do when they're dominating a game is give little marginal gains to the opposition. So it goes from that first misplaced pass to that first 50-50 you lose to that small switch off. And all of those little things help the opposition move up the pitch. It helps them get a bit braver on the ball. And, and we, we have to blame us, ourselves. I said it was self-sabotage. And it really was. We, we let West Brom believe they could get a point. And ultimately, our own mistakes led to the chances they had because I don't, I don't want the narrative to be a false one of Liverpool dominate the whole game and yep. West Brom had one chance. They didn't have one chance. We all watched the game. They got into it from about minute 55 onwards. It was a level game. And then by the end, we were the ones holding on. So, yeah, it was a progressive and really poor mental switch off, which is something that this team team doesn't do so um yeah I'm interested to know what you guys think as well about how that sudden uncharacteristic switch happened Glam I'll come to you on this um I think Mushy's incredibly right in all the points that he said really you could see uh the beginning of the downfall really in the way we were kind of behaving on on the ball and off the ball it felt like a performance from a bygone era um like something from 1718 uh Swansea in particular and it also felt very reminiscent of the Burnley game from last season in fact it was fairly identical to the Burnley game last season after we won the league and West Ham I I mean we we scored the goal got one up um and then for the remainder of the game we are chasing that second goal that never comes and we give away a fairly cheap goal and then before you know it, it's 1-1. And then you're scrambling again for another goal. Do you not think we're past this by now? It's just such a weird situation to be in. Um, no, we're not past it. I think it's obviously, well, for one, it's the same sort of, um, we've got the same sort of dressing room and players and mentality. For two, um, you know, Klopp does like to leave it late to change anything in the game if he does try to change it. So we're not past And I'll be honest with you, just as Mush said, I, I saw it coming because... The more and more, obviously it's cliche, obviously the more and more it's 1-0, the more and more they get belief. And then, you know, when the second half starts and the game goes on and go on, as much as each time it gets down to the clock where it's going, it's 80 minutes, that team will have belief. That team will have belief. And with us, we'll be more, a bit more edgy nerves will come into it. We'll be like, oh, let's not make a mistake. Let's not try to do this. And then we get, we get sucker punched and we're not past it. Um, I don't think we will get past it until we learn to kill off games. You know, I know we had, we had chances in the first half. Well, I'll say some chances, half chances, but we, that killer instinct we didn't have, and we need to get that because look at previously Palace, we swiped them seven nil. It didn't look like a seven nil game. No, it didn't. But you know, what I mean, we was ruthless, and that's the thing we've got to be consistent ruthless because I can see it coming. Else, I'll, I'll get you to jump in here uh, from what Glam said. Do you think, in terms of lacking the killer instinct, which I agree from that game, we also lacked quality chance creation as well. 
which is one of the big things. Um, it's one of those games where, let's say, Sam Johnston, he's making a fantastic save after save after save, which ironically Nick Pope did in the Burnley game last year. Um, well, this year, sorry. Um, but we just didn't create anything. We didn't test the goalkeeper enough. And that's the big worry for me there. Yeah, it was. It was that we didn't, we, we didn't come away thinking Sam Johnston made these men of a hero. Um, we didn't really do much, to be fair. Um, for me, I think the rushing into looking for the second goal was our downfall. So we was punting a lot of aimless balls into the box, which we didn't have to. Um, we should have controlled the game a bit better. We was okay, I get it, we want to score more goals, but we was winning. At the end of the day, you have to win games, innit? So even if you win 1-0, you still get your three points. So I don't understand why we was then rushing chances and, and, and just being aimless with with our balls into the box. Um with West Brom against us, it was six and four. That's what they're looking to do, block spaces. So when when teams come against us like that, you got to move the ball quicker. I don't think we move the ball quick enough. Um, we was dilly dallying on the ball. Full backs. Okay, Robertson was getting some good balls into the box. Uh, Trent wasn't, which was disappointing. But yeah, the, the lack of proper chance creation really, really irked us. It didn't really help us, man. It was just bitty. It was, it was rubbish, man. It was rubbish. Yeah, they were, they were poorest. Uh, the whole right side of the pitch, really, for, for attacking sense for Liverpool in, in that game was was so below standard. And Robertson first half was fantastic. A lot of good balls to the box. And, it, and from what Glam said earlier, you could see that it was probably going to be you know a 2-3-0 no game. But obviously that did not come to fruition. Uh, Joe, I'll come to you on this as well. Uh, we'll touch on this player a little bit later on. But um, the tone of the game was starting to change right around when Joel Matip went off injured. Uh, you could sense that West Brom were going to push him a little bit more, take a few more chances on the break. But as soon as he went off injured, that's when they really smelled blood. And it was a bit of a rough one for Reese Williams coming in off the bench. Uh, you got to test on that Colin Grant, um, Grant chance. So I have to ask the question, was there any, what, how come Klopp didn't really change how we played from that point on? For me, it's, and, and some of the guys may not agree with me on this, I'm a lot less harder on the team because of the fact that we are depleted. So, yeah, I think if he had his, his if Klopp had his full-strength squad, he would know what the next phase would be as far as the plan B or whatever that may be. But we are literally on our, on our last legs. We don't have... We, we cannot afford another injury. And if you lose Matip, who is a colossus from a, a set-piece perspective, both offensively and defensively, and he's probably more one of our more seasoned vets, it's hard to just sort of make adjustments where any small adjustment you make could lead to them completely just taking over the game. It's, 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 it's hard to do. Um, it's hard to turn around and say, all right, this is what our plan B is going to be when we have an 18-year-old centre-back. Um, you're asking a bit too much, although he has been pretty good um, every time we've called on him. But that level of where we're essentially at the, the, the part of the season where it's the business end of the season now, where 
everyone's going to be really scrambling for points, scraping for points because they know that you know come January and February the the, the, ta- the table will start to uh, take shape. So it's hard. I'm not as hard on the on the team as everyone else is, but I can I can let this one go by without giving Klopp any blame just because he hasn't got much left to to work with as far as players that he can trust. So. I don't expect much change to happen and I don't expect him to turn around and say, oh, this is what our plan, our plan B is going to be. Um, I mean, he doesn't even have the weapons for that. Um, he just has Mane and, and, and Salah and then he has um, Fabinho in a makeshift position and he's just lost Matip. So I'm less on the side of Klopp has done wrong more than, and I'm more on the side of, listen, the guys are, the guys are tired. The guys are tired and we have nothing left. So we have very little left. So, I don't I don't place the blame on anyone. It's just one of the things that happened. I mean, I've said in the beginning we should expect more games like this just because of the way that the season is. So I hope everyone kind of takes that on board before um, they see the end of the uh, the Leeds result today. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, well, I guess look at that a little bit now. I mean, as we're recording this, I think it's now five nil the hurt leads a cane in West Brom for. But again, you can see that West Brom obviously put every single ounce of their effort into getting a point. At Anfield, I mean, the Romain Sawyer's own goal was just absolutely absurd. Um, so when you're giving chances away like that, you feel a little bit aggrieved being Liverpool there. Um, but I don't think they have any right to feel aggrieved. They were very poor rest in the second half. Dam, um, I'll come to you on this. It's a bit, it, was, it was quite interesting to see that it needed an extra attacker in the game. Uh, it needed someone to kind of drive and take on, just mm-hmm. to try and break that low block down to get the other attackers a bit more freedom. Obviously, uh, the win-backs weren't as effective in the second half. Um, I thought it was very, very harsh that um, oh, Alex Clay-Chamberlain caught a bit of flack when he came on. Um, granted, he lost the ball a few times and uh, the, the, the short corners were absolutely criminal towards the end of the game when you're trying to get the winner. But oh, yeah. he showed purpose and intent, which was something we were screaming for, especially in the group yeah. chat more than anything, around the 17-minute mark. Um, yeah. That was the thing that we needed, wasn't it, for that game? Absolutely. No, it was crying out. Obviously, you know, the thing is, obviously, when you run risk like that, and obviously the urgency, the fact that we, we the situation we was in and what's coming on, you know, it, it, it's, it, it would, it's bound to happen, isn't it? It's bound to happen. Yeah. I understand, um, you know, um, I saw when he came on and he, he beat a man, then he came, cut back onto the left and cut back to the right to hit a shot and then he got blocked. You know, on another day that goes in, that's exactly what we were looking for. Some urgency to, do you know what I mean, to get some shots on goal. Obviously, we had two in the end of the game, but we don't shoot enough from midfield anyway. But at the same time, you know, when it don't come, when it don't come off, especially with the corners and that, I understand why he got the flat. But if the flat's because of the whole game itself, then obviously it's purely unfair. But if it's the flat because he yeah. came on and obviously, you know, he rushed the play, then I get it. I get it, but I, I'm not. I'm not upset by that because under there, I wanted something. I wanted someone to come on and try for it. I per- personally, I would think Shakiri would have brought some urgency as well. But um, yeah, no, it's definitely unfair on him. But it was just, it, it's just a game that it just seems that it wasn't going to be our day. Yeah, I think Joe made a very good point earlier on that we didn't really have that break glass option or that plan B on the bench really. Uh, Bar yeah. Diabakari, Bar and I think we all had the same opinion when he came on that. Cool. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> is, is what it is at that point. But um, I, I, I think Minamino can feel a little bit aggrieved after putting in a very good shift at Palace that he wasn't brought on to kind of test the, to test that West Brom back line. Um, but but yeah, it's, it is a difficult one because you can definitely see um, you can definitely see where Jota is going to be would be key, especially in the areas such as this. And it's a shame that we don't have him available. Same same for Thiago, really. When you have that much space and time in the midfield on the ball, he can set the tempo and drive a little bit more purpose. Um, Mush, I'll come to you on this. Um, we did shoot ourselves in the foot a lot of times, mentally lapsing up. Um, did, feel, did feel bad for Curtis Jones, uh, obviously putting the ball out for the corner that he did need to put himself in some fairly bad positions. Um, I just want to touch on West Brom's performance more than anything. Um, I thought... From what you what we knew they were going to come and do, they set up. They headed about nine thousand balls out the box and were very comfortable. Um, so, what did you make of their performance under their new uh, portly manager? Um, I mean, we we did the episode together, didn't we, about the return of Big Sam? And I, I don't think yep. any of us guys on the pod right now are surprised by how he played. And we shouldn't be surprised by a man who's managed hundreds of Premier League games and been successful with the method that he's employed. I mean, none of this was a surprise. Um, We kind of discussed as well about not letting West Brom settle um, and letting them feel like there was no way out. And um, it was almost like we let Big Sam's methods grow and become... It's almost like you've got to let players not believe in the plan. For example, you're clearing balls, it keeps coming back, The, the players are sharp, Mane keeps getting past me, Salah keeps getting past me. You can't let players of Big Sam teams believe that we've ran hard all week in training. It wasn't worth it. We've got to keep that mentality. But what they started thinking from second half onwards was, do you know what? This is the ugliest method of football I've ever seen, but there might be something in it for us. And whilst we psychologically shrunk, that same shrink caused them to psychologically grow. So I'm I'm not going to hate on Big Sam. It's our job to negate his football. And at the end of the day, he's always going to come with the plan he was always going to come with. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you knew where, if there was going to be a goal from West Brom, where it was going to come from, and it was going to be a corner. Um, I thought Ajayi played very well throughout the 90 minutes. Um, I'm, a, I'm a fan of his. Um, very good towering header. But again, we just shot ourselves in the foot and got really no one else to blame but ourselves for um, what should have been all three points and then kind of starting off a new a, a new run to kind of you know get six games under your belt with so nothing but wins and separate yourself from the rest of the pack. Um, one of the things that did occur that we touched on earlier on was another injury to Joel Matip in this game. Um, I don't know what an abductor is. I've never really heard of an abductor, but apparently it's quite bad if you uh, <laughs> injure it. So we haven't heard yet in terms of what his uh, layoff's going to be. Um, with us already being stretched at centre-back, I mean, for God's sake, he's the only senior centre-back at the club at the moment as it stands. And he can only play one game a week at the best times, and he's injured yet again. Uh, I can't believe I'm having this conversation yet again. It's like Groundhog Day talking about centre-backs on this podcast. We're <laughs> bloody club at the moment. <laughs> um, if, if there wasn't increased pressure already to sign a centre-back, um, Els, I'll come to you for this one. Has the pressure mounted up even more to put a little bit of an outlay down for a centre-back this January? Of course, yeah. Um, what they were planning to do in the summer, they need to fast-track that to January. 
and um, look for a defender for now and the future. Um, they need to stop depending on Joe Matip. As we know, he is made of Chinese prawn crackers. Um, he cannot stay fit. So, yeah, they have to uh, they have to make sure that they do get a centre-back. And when, like I said, they need a centre-back for now and tomorrow. So, they're looking for a centre-back who's at 23, 24. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whatever the outlay is, put on in 50, 60 million, just spend it down. Because we cannot go into the second half of the season with Nat Phillips, Reese Williams and Fabinho as our main centre-backs. They've done all right every time they've stepped in, but it won't be enough for us to go forward. So we need a quality centre-back and we need him expeditiously. Expeditiously. Uh, T.I. a.k.a. Ellis there with the, uh, the big book of thesaurus <laughs> on his persons. Uh, we yeah, we did do a Patreon show um, kind of earlier in the month. It actually might have been November now. I mean, I, I don't know what I'm going on about here. The days are going so quickly for me. It's just absolutely insane. This year has just confobulated into one long month, really, more than anything. It's gone that bloody quick. Um but we did do a show uh, centred around centre-backs that Liverpool should target uh, for not only the January window, but also for the summer window as well. So you can check that out on our Patreon page. Uh, that's www.patreon.com forward slash copper fracas. And you can sign up for as little as £3 today. Quick plug out of the way. Um, Joe, just following up from what Ellis has said, um, we've, had to, we've had the usual statement come out from the club, which we've expected, which we, which we always expect with every single transfer. It could be about bloody Mbappe on his knees trying to come to Liverpool and the club be like, yeah, we're not really interested, mate. We're happy with the progress that, uh, you know, Will Kane's doing in the, <laughs> in the 23s. Um, but, I mean, it would be very negligent, wouldn't it, for the club to just sign, I'm not even talking sign like a Ragnar Klavan type of centre-back just to hold over for six months. We need to be looking for a player that will be here for 2023 more than anything. So it'd be really negative for the club to not sign a centre-back. Do you not agree? I think ideally we need to go out. We need to get two. Um, one being someone that we can start straight away and actually like be a partner um, for VVD or whoever. Um, and one of the, the Lovren, Clavan, Elk, not the clumsiness, but more as in someone that can come in and be that fifth option and or that fourth option and come in and do a, a, a decent job. Um, but the reality is, it once again depends on where we see ourselves as far as the urgency. Do, I, I, do we really want to win this title? Because if we do, then we need to go out and we need to do what needs to be done. And I feel there's an there's a cloud of just doing the bare minimum that seems to be on the horizon. And I feel it'll be a massive miss if we was to go into January and not bring in a centre-back. But, I mean, we've, we've been here before once. I think sometimes we... we we think we think that they're playing a game and half the time they could be dead serious about not wanting to bring someone in. And we will sit there January, last day of January, thinking, oh, any second now we're going to get some news on us signing a, a, a centre-back and it, and it probably won't happen. And, you know, they'll give us a really strange reason as to why, oh, we looked at someone, but the money wasn't there or the money wasn't there or whatever the, the hell it may be. But I expect us to. Well, I want us to. I don't expect us to. Um, and that's just me being pessimistic. Um, but I really, 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 really hope 
um, that we do, or else we're going to be in a they're going to be in big trouble. Um, come what February, March, April, we're going to be screwed. So, can, can I ask you guys a question about this, Joe? Just to, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you, seeing as you are talking about it, is that like I feel like a big reason as to why we would or will not sign a centre back is probably the overall like aggregate difference between how we're performing now versus what Klopp and his team probably think we're capable of producing. And in terms of defensively or overall as performances, how far do you guys think we are away from how we would have performed with the same schedule if the senior two had been fit? How far away do you think we are from that level? Because we wouldn't have been perfect regardless. So how far? Oh, do you yeah. But we, but we would have been, we would have been defensively competent. And I feel a lot of the, the issues and mistakes that we make is not because we miss Van Dyke or we're missing Gomez, but I think it's it's more around um, familiarity as a team, as yeah, uh, yeah. A, as a, as a structure defensively. We're not used to each other. We Fabinho. This is a, I think this is the longest period Fabinho has spent at centre back, and then he has um, Phillips or he has Reese Williams as a as a, a centre back pairing, and then he has Matip. He's never. I, I don't think he's ever played this long. Of, of a stretch of a period at centre back, so you have that that unfamiliarity, and then you've got different fullbacks, um, give or take, with Trent and and Nico. So it's less around the competency, but more around the familiarity of the, the of the defence. But then also, if you you know if you do have Van Dyke ordering stuff around, you st- you have that you have that oomph about you, you have that belief about you. And right now, there's there's some games where you know balls go into the box, um, excuse me, and we. Um, just look, you know, absolutely bewildered, and it, there's just a, a plethora of reasons why that 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 is. But I feel personally, if we had VVD in that mix, I think we would be miles clear ahead of the pack. I think our performances would have been a lot better, but not astronomically better. But at the the games where we needed to come away with the wins, i.e., the West Brom game, I do I do believe we would have come away with it. So it's, it's it's a collective thing, really, more than anything. So do you guys think that it's easier? Do you, do you guys think that it's easier to build familiarity than it is to build a new player coming to the team who you've invested in, who might have a higher starting point, but probably needs that familiarity as well? What do you think is easier to build familiarity or bring in new personnel? I think I th- I don't think Klopp's going to sign anybody purely based on the familiarity around it. I think. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a close set of players and dressing room. And I agree, I agree with Ellis in terms that we do need someone. I do, especially going into the second half of the season with Nate Phillips, with Reese Williams, and with obviously uh, Fabinho playing centre-half. And Joel's probably right as well. We probably do need another two centre-backs. But in that, you buy another centre-back, you've got to think about the adaptability. You've got to think about the scenario, okay, how are they going to blend in? And as much as we want a player to come in, Klopp is big. He is big on, do you know what I mean, team cohesion. And I, just, and I think that's why it's probably adamant where maybe his target is not available or the fact that is that he just don't want to bring anyone in right now. And I think we'll go with what we've got, I'll be honest with you. So I'm not getting excited or even thinking about any centre-backs. When I say fuck in the ring, when I go back, that's Santan. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job sites, according to Comscore. 
Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueIsle. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to indeed.com slash bluewire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The last time that we bought came in and slotted right in. Um, obviously, so the scouting, I. I Presume if it's desperate. Who was that? Who was that, Ellis? Who was that Van Dijk? Van Dijk. Not going yeah, to get to Van Dijk. Imagine Van Dijk. Van Dijk has his like, yeah, we get another one. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I, that's what I'm saying. Like, if, if you let me think, I said the scouting we do will allow us to find a player that we feel will, will slot right in because any defender we do buy is going to slot right in. Um, Reese Williams is 19. This is his first game. This is his first season at the top level. Nat Phillips is 23. He hasn't played consistently at the top level. So even if they do play week in week out, they're going to be prone to the odd mistake here or there. So even if that they want to be, um, you see that the balance and yeah, they play every week. Like that. They're just not at that level. If Matip was generally always fit with Fabinho, I think that would be good enough to take us into the second half of the season. But because he's not. So I feel that that pushes the ball out to go and get a proven centre-back at the top level. And if a centre-back at the top level, he's going to come in and I believe he will start writing. I don't think there will be a problem with that. But what about, in in terms of, obviously, personnel, I'm not sure who, but don't you think that will be held to ransom, knowing the fact of our situation in terms of fee? So it will be a fee inflation... It's an odd one, isn't it? Because you look at the state of football in general mm. in this country and you've got teams in the low divisions that are screaming out for the money. Then you look at someone like League One and the financial situation there is even dire than it is over here. So I see the argument that we could be held over a barrel because we're in, we're in need at that position. But I think if you can take advantage of yeah, it sounds really morbid, but this is the business that we're in, and business is business. But if you could take advantage of a club that's in a bit of financial trouble and pick up a very good young centre back, you know, mm. around the you know twenty twenty three year year mark, and bring him in for like fifteen twenty million quid, and yeah. his valuation to you is probably more around forty forty five, which you'd pay in a normal market. Um, I think you do it, and it's just if opportunity strikes, really. Um, I think the player that fits that mould realistically is probably someone like a Quebec, a Schalke. I mean, you've got Schalke who are kind of like rooted to the bottom of the Bundesliga um, and in massive, there's some some massive internal struggles there. 
they're in financial disarray. And they wanted, I mean, and, you, and we know that we were looking at a centre back in the summer anyway, because mm-hmm. obviously we, we let we let Lovren go. We you heard the rumours about all these different players that we were looking at. So there was definitely some work going on in the background. But we made the internal yeah. decision to. I mean, I'm going to take a little bit of one from Ellis's book here. You can't legislate for two of your senior centre backs going down <laughs> with, with um, <laughs> season ending injuries. Um, so it, it, it was massively naive for us not to buy one in the summer anyway. And it'd be massively yeah. more naive for us to not to buy one now. Yeah, no, I, I, I do agree with that, but I do uh, agree. I Go on, El. Okay, sorry, Graham. Yeah, I was just quickly going to before you come in. I, I feel that Liverpool were going to buy a centre-back, but the sales didn't come through what we wanted because obviously we, we wanted to sell um, Origi and yeah, Harry Rawls and those sales didn't come. Had we sold those players, I really feel that we would have bought a centre-back. Um, yeah. I, I know that they didn't want to go into the season with Gomez and Matic, your number two and number three. I'm sure that they wanted another one to, to that. And I feel that January, there is a player out there that's probably already spoken to and they're probably just um, crossing the T's and dotting the I's. That's going to come in what we don't really know much, in it? That's just us hoping. But yeah, Chris, like you're right, going to leave art. Oh, I think um, I saw Steve Boutman, Boutman, is that his name, at Lille. His name was being branded about. Yeah. Um, I saw reports saying that Liverpool are going to look in, yeah, look into buying a, a young British player from the who understands the league already. So um, uh, as I, I think that's mentioned in the group chat, Tomori, who's at Chelsea, quick centre back, strong, not really dominant in the air, but he'll be doing nothing. <laughs> there, there's a there's a few, but we need someone who's dominant in the air in it. So but there's a few players out there to to, to look at. So I, I feel that they will they will grab one. Like I say, it'll, yeah. be, it'll be naivety not to get one. It'll be mad. Yeah, I just don't think we're going to grab one in, in, in January. And, I, and I'll tell you why also as well, um, going off my point about Klopp and team cohesion. I just think if we get the um, Thiago's coming back, Ox is coming back, Naby, I don't know what's going on with Naby, but if he gets the midfield options back, I think he will plunge into thinking Genie and Henderson covering that centre-half. I don't think we're going to get anyone. I love to think that, but Klopp is going to utilise his squad to the bones. I can't that'd be, see us signing anyone. That'd be anarchy. I mean, we've got a we've got a spell in February where we play Man City, Leicester, Leipzig, and Everton in like the space of two weeks. So yeah. it's 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 mad, man. And if Matip, we, we obviously we don't know the extent of Matip's injury, but if he's out for two months, I think you have to. It's just. It's insane. And it's also complicated as well that we're also at the max of our foreign quota of players. Yeah. So if we wanted to get... So this is why the whole Origi leaving thing makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. And, I mean, we were, we, we had that, uh, that the graph that Simon Brundis shared uh, on Twitter uh, earlier in the week that we were looking at in terms of player availability from our end as well. Um, and you've got players such as, you know, Jerome Jakiri, who's missed 53 games from injury. Um even if you have to bring a centre back in, do you just unregister Shakiri? Well, so you've... <laughs> well, bro, if you're looking at that and saying this guy has this, this guy has been not been available for 53 games over three seasons, what would you want? <laughs> we, we need to we need to start looking at taking an L on players like Shakiri and whoever, and letting them go for a, a cut price free 
Um, I agree. Really, like we, even if it's in January, and whatever we can, and I know this sounds crazy, this sounds bad because of the the size of the club, but whatever we can scrounge and scrumple around by way of M's to find a decent decent defender, I would say we need to go ahead and do that. I think if we can offload Origi, but I know it's easier said than done, but if we can offload, offload Origi, offload Shakiri, and be a lot more realistic in our evaluations and let them go, we can get them off the books and bring like a, a Ben White. I mean, I, I, I'm on the record saying I do like Ben White, but I'm yeah. really... I'm not really interested in the fact that he's he's really short for for centre back. So we're looking for someone who's a lot more dominant. But at this point, I'll take whatever you give me because we just need some seriously competent defenders that are going to be available, especially for our next stre- stretch of, of games coming through. Um, so like you take Ben White, Joe. So you're taking Ben White. So what's that? Forty, fifty? No, probably more. Why? Why? In what world? In what world is Ben White considered? They, or 50 million. So, 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 so Leeds bid, I think it was yeah. a maximum of 35 million quid yeah. in the summer and they turned it down. Yeah. How much How much would, yeah. would we be paying for Upper Meccano if we, if it was around the same? No? With that release yeah. clause, 45 million quid. But the Upper Meccano is a guy who's played Champions League and he's got, yeah. it's got a bit of pedigree, if that makes sense. Yeah, so from, your, from, 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 your, from your, I guess, from your side of things, you don't think Ben White is a 35 million pounds. No, no. no. Right. He's had a season oh, in the championship. No. I'm, 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 on I'm, I'm on my knees at this point. I'm on my knees at this point. I'm on my knees for anything at this point. I'm on my knees for anything at this point. That brother's starving. Joe, come on, Joe, we're top of the league, bro. Come on, man. I think the good thing is there is, I mean, we can look around Europe and we can see that there's some decent centre-back options. I mean, you look at Ajax, you've got Schurz there. He looks like a really good player that we've been up against, um, you know, kind of the Kabaks, upper Marcanos. But again, some of these players might be more summer transfers than winter transfers, if that makes sense too. So it's it's an odd one. Um, I know we do have high hopes for, for Reese Williams. Um, and you can definitely see where he can be a very good player for this Liverpool team in a backup capability. Um, I think for me, Nat Phillips is impressed in the two appearances that I've seen him in, but he's a he's a he's a he's a meat and two veg defender. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. He's good at certain things and he'd be really good at uh, he'd be good at Brighton or he'd be good at uh, Burnley because they're doing one set thing. But when you come to this Liverpool team, you're at task with doing so much just as a centre-back alone, you're tasked with, you know, uh, whether it's doing those Virgil van Dijk diagonal balls straight out uh, 45 yards up the pitch, uh, playing out from the back, doing a little bit of dribbling moves up the pitch. There's so much that you have to do as a centre-back at Liverpool as opposed to just defend. It's, it's a difficult one. Uh, Chris, I, I, was just, I just wanted to add to what you said, is that one thing I don't want Liverpool to do, which a few clubs, Premier League clubs, have gotten stuck with, whether it's yeah. City, whether it's United, is that, it's very dangerous buying a player who's worth around 25 million because what you're basically saying is we've paid enough to have to use him, but we will know that there's better out there. And you get stuck in that. You get stuck in that cycle of we pay enough wages to this guy to have to try and get the most out of our asset. But at the same time, we need to get better than him. 
And this is where you end up getting a big stockpile of pretty decent defenders. Like you look at Chelsea, for example, you've got Tomori, you've got Rudiger, all of these players who, on an individual level, they give you six good games out of ten games and you, you justify keeping them. But then you never progress as a club because you get stuck in this cycle of mediocrity. This is how you end up with Mustafis at your football. Oh, yeah. definitely. Lindelof, all sorts, all sorts. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll give a little bit of sympathy to Lindelof. He's, he's done all right playing next to yeah, yeah. in recent weeks, but it, 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 I completely get what you mean. You, you're paying for the minimum. The stock really. You're paying for the stock Yeah, cap. you're paying That's for the stock Man City were the kings of it for so many goddamn years, and it seems mm-hmm. like they kind of did the same with Ake as well, but then for some reason decided to spend like £70 million, on, it probably wasn't that much, on Ruben Diaz, who looks like the long stay. But then you've got John Stones who's just magically stepped up out of nowhere because yeah. he, saw the, he saw the door closing. So Ot- Otamendi was all right sometimes. Nastasic was all right for a season. You get stuck with all right, all right, all right, and you never fully address the problem. So yep. what Ellis is saying about if we're going to invest, I want us to go all out to get the player we always wanted yeah. rather than half investing in a player we half wanted and having that go back into the market a year later. So, so, so this this sounds this sounds like we've accepted that the next centre back that we bring in will be our starting centre back alongside VVD for the forthcoming. Is that what you should guys be. are saying? Should be, should be, you should, should be. be. Might not be, but you should. Yeah, be. but it should be. Okay. I mean, you've had we've had what uh, I know that um, Christian Falk said that we've got an interest in both Upa Makano and Ibrahim Kanate, but again. The fact that we're playing Leipzig in six weeks probably means they're probably not going to sell one of them to us <laughs> in the winter transfer window. And I think if I mean, look, there was a period where and let's let's not let's not get it twisted. Joel Massif is a very 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 good centre back when he's available. I mean, we can all agree he's a, he's a top level centre back. Yeah, he is. But it's just it's it's the question of when he's available, and it's so bloody annoying that we have to consistently rely on this guy who's just not available. I mean, I, I love the fella. I love the no-context Joe Massive on Twitter. I think he's fucking fantastic. Um, you can tell he's massively loved, but it's just such a glaring issue uh, when you're relying on it like that. So I think you just have to spend the money, and being third-choice centre-back at Liverpool, as we've seen, doesn't necessarily mean that you're a rotational option. You will play probably 30 games a season. That's the thing. And Listen, the number one thing about football is being available. If you're available, then you can be used. Once you can be used, then that will show your worth. Um, they got Henderson. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But even Henderson, he's re- sometimes, until recently, he was always injured. People like um, Gini Van Alden. We got Van Alden, like, week in, week out, he's playing. Um, Robertson, Van Dijk, before he got that nasty injury. I mean, he went two seasons playing 38 games in the league. Do you know what I'm saying? So that's, that's the asset that you have. Um, you can be a good player, but if you're not fit... There's no point of being in the team, to be fair. And when you're yep. playing for Liverpool, Liverpool are now probably what one of the top five teams in Europe. So there's a level to maintain. And if you're not playing week in, week at that level, then you're going to have to be surplus to requirements. And we all know how good Naby Keita is. We all know how good um, um, Shakiri is. But these players are not on the pitch, so we can't we can't definitely sit on our high horses and say, "Oh yeah, he's a brilliant player." Fam, he doesn't play, so what's the point? Availability is one of the best attributes you can have as a football player. That's just it. You know what I mean, like when we, when we were talking about the game against West Brom, 
That would have been a perfect game for Naby Keita. There we go. He's tailor-made for that game. A midfielder who gets the ball and dribbles into the space, or into spaces you can make, it was so tailor-made for him to just destroy West Brom. But oh, lo and behold, he's injured. <laughs> Let me just quickly pose a, pose a question to you before we kind of close off on the centre-back discussion. Um, I mean, we're all in universal agreement that we need some form of centre-back, whether it be Ellis or Glam, that lines up as the new number, number, uh, number, number, number five for Liverpool or whatnot. Um, <laughs> so would you be happy with a Ragnar Klavan Sotirios Kyriakos? And I'm not saying it's Kyriakos, by the way, Glam, because I remember you know how average he was as a centre-half. Would you be happy with a player of that ilk and profile coming in at January that we use as a bit of a stopgap and a rotation option um, for the remainder of this campaign? Um, I mean, we've still got help. We're not even halfway through. We've still got a lot of games to come through in such a short period of time. Thank you for that very much, Premier League. Um, and then, would you be okay with us making the marquee centre back signing in the summer? Um, I'll go first. Yeah, the, um, I I will be. That would be my preference. Exactly what you just said. I was just about to say, um, could we not dip into the loan market possibly and look at the avenue? I just think it'll be rushed now. I know, regardless if we've looked at anybody, I think it'll be rushed now. Us buying a January signing, but I will take it. But I think I will look at the that avenue. Obviously, getting someone that can do a job, that's capable, and if he impresses, then obviously, hey, he presses. But I'm not on the marquee in January. Van Dyke was a was was a situation where we knew how good he was. We 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 touted him from the summer before, so we knew he was going for him. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, I'm I'm for that. I'm all for that. Mush. Um, do you know what? The more I think about it, I I don't know if I want the Claban type signing in the sense of it's just going to be. A, <laughs> I would be happy with a Claban type signing if we could get rid of him quickly. I think it's one of those I don't want him lingering in the squad because I think a player like Reese Williams is a talented boy and. What we're seeing is the start of his development. So I think he's more than good enough to be offer what Ragnar Klavan did or better. It's just about consistently playing games. So in the long term, I see him being our third or fourth choice centre-back. So, yeah, get the Klavan one if we can ship him. Otherwise, go for the marquee. It's a difficult one because you don't want to close, kind of uh, shut the door on his development for Reese exactly. Williams. It's, exactly, it's it's, it's a re- it is really difficult. It, it is difficult. It is very difficult. Uh, Joe, when I say stars in the ring, when I go hard, that's fantastic. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, um, it, it's, a, it's a difficult one for me. Um, I, I would like for us to, to bring one in. Um, 
And I feel if we do bring one in, it, he would be exactly just as we expected from Tavan. It's just a, a, a centre-back that, that comes in during the cup games or during a, um, a period where we need to rest the players. But he comes in and, and he does a good job. So um, whether that's the profile of someone that's old with, with you know, uh, a, with a one or two year contract, and then we let them go at the end, like we did Clavan or whatever that may be. Yeah, I'm, I'm up for it. But I think competence is, is number one for me. There's no point giving, you know, wages, um, decent wages to someone who is going to come in and be a stopgap. Yes, but it's not going to be competent because it just goes, it just goes against the, the whole reasoning for us going out and getting a centre back. So competence yep. is number one thing. So if we're able to achieve that, then I'm, I'm happy either way. And finally, else. Yeah, I agree with Joe. Um, I, I don't mind getting a Clavan type player. Uh, yeah, eighteen month contract. That's a good motion as well. I think with the eighteen months, he will after a year, like probably will probably sell him off anyway, just for that stopgap. Then, if you can't get who the marquee signing in January, then the summer you put all your eggs in that basket. But with in January, yep. you get that stopgap in. So, like, obviously. The level will be higher, but something like Adrian, who allowed Kelleher to to bulk up a little bit and improve on certain things. Obviously, Adrian wasn't good, it's just an example, but someone better than him at that level um, for a year, a year and a bit. So, yeah, that's what I'll do. It is an interesting one, because we, we literally did sign Clavan for two seasons and sold him on. So, <laughs> if, if you're buying the Clavan type, we've got literal evidence to say that you're... Um, yeah, you'll be here for two seasons, then we'll sell you on. But uh, a quick one for Ragnar Clever. Surprisingly got 53 appearances over two seasons with two goals. So, it's not bad. Not bad for what was the fifth true centre-back at the current time. Um, speaking of centre-backs, the makeshift centre-back at our football club, uh, Fabinho, has been nothing short of sensational uh, since transitioning into that role after um, Virgil van Dijk went down with his um, ACL injury. So one of the things I want to touch on with you guys this evening is um, he starts from the weekend. So um, there, was a, there was a fantastic piece from James Pierce in The Athletic. If you haven't read that piece, uh, please do. It, it, it's, it's really good and it kind of accentuates on a lot of the topics that we literally just touched on the centre-back discussion. Um, he starts from the weekend. Uh, 88% of his passes uh, completed. Uh, won 78% of his aerial duels uh, again against you know a fairly burly West Brom team and how we knew they were going to set out. Uh, regained possession on 10 occasions and he also had free clearances and two inceptions. Those stats for a normal centre-back, an experienced centre-back, you would be praising them to high heaven. Um, and he's been putting in some absolutely fantastic shifts um, for this Liverpool team ever since he's been playing there. Uh, I mean, we've been looking short of praising him left, right and centre. For, for El Flacco do you think the fact that we don't have the necessary partner next to him is devaluing a lot of these uh, performances this season most of come to your thoughts yeah I, I think this is if, if anything I disagree with you Christian in the sense of I think it's the opposite I think if anything the fact that there's been no consistent partner the fact that he has come into the position of centre-back in the most unique, crammed, disorganised season ever, knowing not knowing if the player playing next to him is going to be fit or if he's going to have COVID or anything, yet putting in these stellar performances every week. I, it, it is crazy that people talk about Liverpool and the problems we're having, 
but the problem never mentioned is whether Fabinho is good enough to play at centre back. That's the one complaint that never comes up, and I think yeah. that that is the biggest compliment you can play to him. Right, the fact that we have a player playing out of position and that isn't seen as a, as a problem for our team. You know, we all panic when you suggest when um, Glam suggested that Henderson might have to play in the middle or Genie. All of our faces winced. <laughs> Genie, right? um, Fabinho plays in the same position, but when he plays at centre back. I'm more relaxed than every other centre-back apart from Van Dijk playing for the club. So, yeah, um, yeah all props to him for, for giving us that peace of mind and just being such an intelligent and top footballer, man. Um, I'll come to you on this. Uh, I think Mushy's completely correct in what he just said there. Um, James ended the piece by saying that uh, Fabinho is a rock. Liverpool are lucky to have him. Uh, however, it's that vulnerability alongside him which is a chink in the champion's armour. Mm. How true of a statement is that? Yeah, no, it is. And I, I think with Fabinho and a lot of the grass, especially with grassroots footballing now, you, you, he's, a, he's a top footballer first. And then, you know what I mean? He's a top footballer first and foremost in sense meaning he understands the game, you know? And when you're yep. a top footballer first, you, you're put in positions, but you understand the game so you can obviously adapt. And that's what he's showing. And he's superb. Like I said, I said to you guys on Sunday, I don't. I don't want him to come out of um, centre half, but I miss him in the middle because obviously he he gives that something that a lot of the midfielders haven't got. But yeah, it's a perfect sentiment to him, man. You're right. I think he does go overshadow the fact that um, no one being a signing. But I just think we just we look at him and think, oh, well done, well done. But if there's anybody else, we'd be given higher praises playing like that. But yeah, no, he's a he's a wonderful footballer. And to think six months into his career, I think who the fuck is this guy? He's off the pace. What are we doing with him? And then look at him now, man. Now, fantastic. Top player, man. I mean, we had an uh, Arsenal fan saying that Lucas Torreira was a better signing than him. So, we all know how that <laughs> ended up. <laughs> yes. Bit of a shot there to the Touchy Gooners podcast. Els, <laughs> uh, I'll come to you. Um, it is mad that we're kind of questioning some of the stuff with this Liverpool team, even though they've collected 21 points over possible 27 since the dark Merseyside derby, as it were, uh, with Jordan Pickford and his little arms trying to kill uh, the best centre-back in world football. Um, I mean, Fabinho's form is he's definitely a contributor to why we've got that many points. Would, would, would you agree? Yeah, definitely, man. He's a mainstay. He's steady. He's a rock. Like Glam said, he's first and foremost, he's a great footballer. I mean, this is a man who was a right-back by trade and didn't want to leave right-back. Made it compulsory in his contract that he plays right-back. Um, he was moving to centre-mid to be a holding midfielder and he turned out to be a world-class holding midfielder came to Liverpool um, brought up that level even more now he's at centre-back and he's just still at an excellent level so yeah like Glam said he's a first and foremost he's an absolutely elite footballer and he's showing that um, obviously in regards to the James Pierce piece he's right the chinking out armour is his, neck, his partner because he can never have like a uh, a, a partner that plays, uh, let's say, six, seven games in a row with him. First was Gomez. Him and Gomez was a good partnership. Gomez gets injured. Matip and him, good partnership. Matip gets injured. So, yeah, that's just a thinking young with him. But away from, away from that, he himself is just an excellent footballer, man. Excellent footballer. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're so massively looking to have him. Um, Joe, I've got a bit of a bold shout for you. I want to see if you agree with it. Um... We talk about PFA Player of the Year uh, squads, end of season squads, best 11s. You'd have to put Fabinho in there for a centre-back, wouldn't you, surely? Yeah. 
I think you're talking about someone who was doing very, very well, considered one of the world's best um, within a central position in midfield. Um, and he's gone into the centre-back position. And I don't remember too many games where I've turned around and said, I really don't want to see Fabinho at, at centre-back again. Personally, if you ask me, I don't want to see him at centre-back because I don't want him to be a victim of his versatility. Um, Agreed. And we know we know once Klopp gets that into his head, he could just turn around and be like, well, we've got one extra centre-back now. We don't need to do this or blah, 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 blah. But I want to see him return into to centre-mid. As far as PFA votings go, or team of the, the year, team of the season votings go, Fabinho has to be there. Um, it would be an absolute mockery if he wasn't because he's actually probably one of the better performing CBs right now and that's more testament to his high IQ um, he's got the build of a he's, he's about 6'2 so he's he's got the build to play most positions anyways but having the build isn't enough you have to have the IQ to go along with it and he, he is up there he's a world class player um, I, I would agree I'd say he needs to he 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 should be up there as far as the the, um, the PFAs or the team of the seasons or whatever that may be. Yeah. It's quite funny that his nickname uh, from the Brazilian lads is El Flaco, which translates to the skinny one. Pause. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, we're really lucky to have him, because if, if we didn't have him, we'd be, we'd be absolutely screwed. Um, and yeah, he's such a good player. The, the intelligence for, for me is fairly unmatched and you can see where that transition from playing in a number six to being a centre-back with you know the interceptions regaining possession um, I mean he's not the paciest guy either but he's been made, being able to keep up with guys like Timo Werner etc um, so so yeah um, long long may it continue and thank God that we have a Fabinho as a Liverpool player uh, of course we do have a game this evening um when you're listening to this pod, uh, against Newcastle away. Um, it's been a weird, weird old season for Newcastle. Um, if you took Callum, their, their best summer signing, Callum Wilson, out of the team, they'd probably be looking like relegation candidates. Um, they have been massively affected by, by COVID with injuries. Uh, Jamal Lascelles and Alain Saint-Maximin uh, wish them the speediest of recoveries, and they are still heavily affected by contracting COVID earlier. Uh, apparently, I was, I was listening to something where they were talking about, I think it was Lascelles, uh, it was one of the two, and they were going out for walks, and they were coming back, and they were like massively fatigued and stuff. So that just shows you the kind of the side effects of, of a long COVID and what it's having on, I mean, what I can only describe as elite level athletes at the top of their game. So it's, it's that's massively worrying. Uh, I mean, we've seen it, seen it today as well with games getting called off and whatnot, and it's just a bit of a tangent point, it's incredibly criminal that the Premier League haven't given the, the, the players two weeks off, especially when they knew they were going to have Christmas celebrations and people were going to be around people's houses, etc. So it's, it's, it's criminal from their end. Um, Mush, I'll come to you on this one. Um, they've been playing with the back three, more with back four, uh, Newcastle more than anything. I, I watched them against Fulham, and they were massively lucky to get a, a point. I'm looking at it on paper and I, I, I can't... I mean, we literally had the same discussion against West Brom, but I can't see anything other than Liverpool win, surely. Oh, God, Chris, you said it, haven't you? You just jinxed us completely. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll tell you what, Newcastle are absolutely shit, mate. I'll tell you that now, three. In the, they won their first three games of the season with two shots on target in the, all three games combined. So we're talking about a team who... 
absolutely create nothing. And similar to Big Sam, Steve Bruce knows what he's intending to do. Um, the players you're talking about, someone like Alan St. Maximan was having a was having a dreadful season, to be honest. He um, he's not been playing well for for a long while now. I, I don't even know how it is that they've racked up as many points as they have because they, they don't really play a brand of football that encourages anything apart from the clean sheet. So weirdly, um, this might be the best possible game for Liverpool to show that the slackness that they had in that West Brom game. You've been posed the same challenge again. Can you overcome that same challenge, or are you gonna switch off again? Are you gonna be are you gonna be lackadaisical again? So I'm I'm actually gonna learn a lot from this game to see if if these boys really are defined by a few senior players, or if they've got the mentality to beat these you know these game stinking managers. So um, yeah, we'll see how it comes about, but it's, it's the same challenge again for me. I completely agree. Uh, I watched I also watched that game against Manchester City. Uh, we've got it kind of in our heads that Manchester City have been playing fairly poor, but they've been playing quite well recently. They've been very clinical, quietly racking up a lot of 1-0, 2-0 wins, which is slyly what you want to do when you're challenging for the league. Uh, but they're, they're, Newcastle's average player position was the most confusing thing I've ever seen. Um, they generally had about three players hugging the left side of the pitch to nullify anything on the right-hand side. It was it was baffling considering that it was a, it's a it was a four it was a, a three five at the back. Um, well, do, you think, do you think that was to, to nullify KDB and spamming in his crosses? You think that's what it was? Bro, it didn't work. He got an assist. <laughs> so it was like uh, you can try, but you're still going to find a way, um, especially when it is De Bruyne inshallah. Um, they're they're such a weird team because Els, I'll come to you on this. Joe Linton last year was one of the most weird players to watch. But when I've seen him paired up with Callum Wilson, it weirdly works. So I, I don't really know actually what to expect from Newcastle, have anything. Because Fulham, yeah, absolutely, Fulham, Fulham absolutely panned them. And they only got a draw because they got given a penalty that wasn't a penalty. It was also outside the box. That was checked by VAR, which made no sense. And they just got absolutely run over by City. So I have no idea what to really expect. Yeah, I'm going to try and sit back, make it tight and that. Um, they work on a counter-attack. Omeron is very quick. He tries to get on the pitch and help them. Um, also, that lad they got from Norwich. Uh, what's his name? He's got a oh, I forgot his name. Uh, not Duran Lewis. Uh, he's a forward. Oh, yeah, Jacob, he Murphy. Jacob Murphy. That's the one, yeah. Jacob Murphy. So he tries to, they try to use him, try to get on the pitch with their counter attacks. But they don't really have a style of play. They just want to be tight and not give any, give, any, give away any goals and give away any spaces. But it doesn't really work because the lack of quality is too glaring. Um, also, with the point of John Linton, I think when he came, he was known as a, four, not a false sign, but like a number 10, a left winger, an attacking midfielder. But yeah. then, because he was big and burly, decided to use him as a number nine. And obviously, he was saying that he was shit, but he wasn't. He's just not his position. Um, now they've got him playing in behind Callum Wilson, and he's showing that he's worth because his link up play is decent. He's got good feet and what have you. But having said all of that, I expect Liverpool to load them over and, and win comfortably. Well, I expected that against West Brom. It didn't happen. But against Steve Bruce's team, I think they're going to allow Liverpool a space because even if they want to stay compact and deep, I don't think they have enough 
tactical enough to do so and having knowledge among themselves also doesn't really help them so yeah I expect them to probably yeah Glam you're a betting man um, what would be your pick of the bets for this game what you mean um, what score anything corners <laughs> what oh, do you think okay. the easiest win would be for this game oh man I don't, I don't care about all that but um, I'm, I'm struggling to find things to talk about about Newcastle to transfer Yeah, no, do you know what? Do you know what? Um, yeah, um, Ellis obviously touched on it, and you just, uh, and Mush as well. Like they're not, they they haven't got an actual um, style of play. Newcastle. Yeah, they don't. They they they, they, they just they, they get results. Do you know what I mean? That's what they kind of do. And I'll be honest, with you, I like the. Um, I think Darlow's a capable goalkeeper. I must say, I think that's why they racked up a lot of points. He's, he goes under the radar. He's um, underrated. Yeah, he made, good point. That is. Yeah, he makes a lot of saves. He makes a lot of saves for them. Um, and obviously they've got calories and they've got a lot of penalties. But yeah, I expect us... I don't think Bruce is as good as Sam in terms of stifling out teams. So I, I do expect us to beat them. You know, Big Sam's a bit different kind of fish. I think I expect us... If Newcastle try to hold us, we will still enroll them. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, 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 other than that, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, Maximum's out. He's one of the best players. I'm more on, yeah. Not much to talk about Newcastle, I suppose. But not much to talk about him. I think I, what I wanted to add, sorry, Chris, just what I wanted, what I wanted to add to that was that one thing we all saw, guys, when we played West Brom, which was really super disappointing for us, was that managers like Big Sam, who's probably better at it than Steve Bruce, teach their teams to defend one way. And the way we were crossing the ball and delivering the ball was the same way again and again. And Liverpool, I wasn't annoyed that we didn't play tiki-taka. I was annoyed that we didn't change up the delivery. Every time Trent got the ball, he never Cross tried it. to cut it back. It was never across the floor. It was the same floater at the back post. Yeah. If we're going to yeah, break these teams, yeah, we need to change our solutions. Do you know what I mean? You need to change it up and make them worried about maybe going inside. Make them maybe worried about a ball being cut back rather than just always being flashed high. So yeah, I, would, would, I would agree. I would agree. Um, usually, but we don't have okay, we don't have a central striker that it kind of works both ways. We don't have a central striker for us to be flashing those um, balls, excuse me, across the box um, and then all going back post. So I agree that we need to have some variety in, in our crosses, yeah, but it's yeah. like, yo, you, you, at the end of the day, we're, we're doing it in hope that uh, Mane... <clears throat> Or Salah or Bobby will will get on the end of them, but I think it works if we have an, an actual striker whose specialty is who's big and burly that can get on those balls. I just think we don't really have enough targets. Um, but then Joe, Joe, have sorry, no choice, just to really. disagree. Joe, What's just that? to disagree with just to disagree with that. When we played Wolves, for example, at home, do you mm. remember some of the chances we had were, for example, that Mo Salah shot that was cut back to him mm. and he hit it into the keeper's feet. We had another mm-hmm, one mm-hmm. where Marnie ran I, across and flashed. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I agree. Hundred percent, I agree. But you have to rem- you have to remember they, I guess, as far as the what they what they may have prepared for, they may have seen something. They may have seen a weakness per se, and there's got to be a reason why they continuously played the ball towards the back post. And maybe they saw something in 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 film or, or whatever. Maybe they. They thought that they left space back there, but I mean, there has to be because it, it doesn't make sense to me why we continuously put the same kind of ball into the box. Madness, knowing that they, it's it's it absolute madness. It was hope, but it may have just been analysis, and they, maybe they saw something there. Um, but 
I mean, I, I think if we have great crosses of the, crosses of the ball like Trent and and Robbo, players have to players have to get in the box. They have, they just need to flood the box. Yeah, and no, I completely agree. Um, I think it's, it's not one because you know you put some of those style of passes in the box when you've got an Olivier, Olivier Giroud, for for example, um, uh, really nearly trying to kind of get in the get on the end of those crosses. But it, it's running much much as well, and that you know you, you cut balls back. And we did something very similar against Spurs too. A lot of chances that we created did end up within the eighteen yard box. So. I think mean, they just saw something against West Brom, and West Brom were more than comfortable to just head every single ball out of the box um, as easily as they could. I mean, a giant bloody field day, uh, heading stuff out the head stuff out the box. So it was a it was annoying from that point of view. But yeah, it's it's also interesting as well. I mean, we saw we, we were bemoaning this Liverpool team about lack of penetration from the middle of the pitch and from dynamic midfielders. Um, with the midfield setup, would you maybe drop in Ox or play Minamino as a as an eight for this game? Glenn? Um, well, for Newcastle, yeah, we, well, well, we've got to change it. It's too many games, um, and it's Newcastle. This is a perfect time to rest some players. I would, um, I would give us a start, and I'll give Minamino a start. Um, who else is there? Not to be, yeah, those two would definitely start for me. Uh, I don't know if like, Naby's fit or whatever, but Genie needs a rest. I'd rest Henderson. I want the front three. You know, I don't know what's going on with um, the situation with Regan or Shaq or whatever. But, you know, I mean, Salah, Salah or Mane could drop out. I would love them to drop out. Whether we will, I don't know. But it's too many games, man. It's just too, it's just too much. Do you know what I mean? So we need to utilise, especially against Newcastle. We can't be afraid and think, oh, yeah, who we got in the bench? We ain't got enough. We have got enough. Just put them out. Yeah, and we, we just need to just play who's fit. Really agree. It'll be an interesting game, that is for sure, tomorrow evening. Um... Just before we end the pod, we did a little bit of a we we had a tweet earlier that went fairly viral that was focused on um, that was focused on Manchester United's maestro Bruno Fernandes, and the question was just simply do you think Bruno Fernandes would play for Liverpool? So we're not going to make a big meal out of it. We're just going to say yes or no. Give one sentence on why you think this player would could play for Liverpool or wouldn't play for Liverpool. So Els, I'm going to let you lead this one off. Do you think Bruno Fernandes will play for Liverpool? Um, I think it was more difficult to start and no because he is too flagrant with his passing in the middle third. He's too sloppy with his um, possession. Yes, Glam. Hello, I see you. <laughs> Glam, do you think Bruno Fernandes would get into the Liverpool team? Yes or no? Yes, he would get into it and just purely because he's not and knowing where to be and um, yeah, his, his special um, his special presence around the um, penalty area. That's the quickest way I can say it. I want to say more, but I can't. <laughs> Joe, do you think Bruno Fernandes gets into this Liverpool team? Yes, and he starts and he produces a lot more in terms of production than he's doing right now in United. He gets more GA than he does. We'll talk about that later on. Um, Mush, um, do you think that Bruno Fernandes gets into the Liverpool team? Yes or no? Yes, because we need to stop thinking that Klopp has only ever played in one way, and we have we also have ways of losing the ball. And Klopp would just change the places where he applies risk to the team. So I think we just change the areas where that happens. Uh, for me. At the moment, it's a no, 
Uh, do the right thing, Chris. Just say yes. No, I think Els, Els is completely correct in what he's saying. He's, he's fairly sloppy on the ball, but I, I can understand why you guys would definitely say yes. The production can't be ignored, and it's very attractive. When you I see, don't when understand you see... why you say no, so please tell me. No, because he, well, he's being, he's being, he wants to help Ellis. He knows Ellis. He knows Ellis. He knows Ellis is done for, and he's trying to help Ellis. No, no, I'm, I'm he's trying to help. I'm, him. I'm also going to say as well that I can definitely see why you, everyone thinks he definitely gets into the Liverpool team because obviously the production just cannot be ignored. Yeah. But I think if he were to play in this Liverpool team, I mean, we've seen it. We've seen us go for you know once upon a time. It was bloody Neville Fakir's, Thomas Lamar's, Julian Brandt's. Um, and if he did play for this Liverpool team, it would be in such a more, it would be such a different role than he does for Manchester United. Um, he'd have to be a lot more disciplined in the way he plays. Um, and it'd be, it'd be kind of, it, it wouldn't be like for life for what Ginny does for Liverpool, but Fair. it would Fair. be kind of in that same transition where we saw Ginny, he was this broad, he was this attacking player and he was banging in goals, scored four goals in one game. Um, and I think it would be kind of the same way for, for Bruno Fernandes, really. So, no, it was an interesting debate. Um, I appreciate all the guys that came into our mentions uh, and respectfully disagreed. And to all the people who flung abuse at us, you're not going to get us to react. So we thank you for your contribution, and we hope you enjoyed listening to this clip, clip as well. Um, but, yeah, um, this has been your episode of Cop and Fracas. Um, before we do end the pod, I just want to say, you know, uh, coming up to, to, to a new year, I know this year has been difficult for, for a lot of people, um, and it's been a, it's been one of the most tumultuous years that I think we've ever experienced in our entire life. Um, and I hope that you know the content that we've been putting out here on on a weekly basis, a cop end and all the Patreon content as well, has been a bit of a source of escapism for you. Um, it's been, yeah, like I said, it's been a tough year. And I hope that we've been able to be a bit of a source of light for you in, the, in these dark times. Um, hopefully, if things get a little bit better for next year. But I'm hoping that one of the things that remain the same is the Reds lifting the Family League trophy come the end of the season. So, yeah. Come on! Amen. <laughs> Amen. But, yeah, that has been your episode of Cop and Fracas for December 30th, 2020. And we will see you next year. So until then, see Network.